Unwritten contains mature language, content, and themes. Please listen with care. Four months after her disastrous thesis presentation, after spending the entire summer at the Mental Rehabilitation Center of Middle Ohio, Elaine lies on her bed at the center, staring at the pattern in the ceiling. You can't ignore me forever. Chelsea stares expectantly from a cheap plastic chair in the corner of Elaine's sterile room. You ignored me for three months. Despite that little detail, I know for a fact that my flannel pattern is more interesting than that speckled ceiling. Chelsea looks up at the ceiling, too. Elaine, everything in the world is more interesting than that. Instruction manuals, heteronormativity, dirt, and Rand, and people who vape. Elaine tries not to laugh and fails. She caves and sits up, looking at Chelsea. (laughs) No Chelsea for three months. And now I'm forgetting why I was upset. It's my charm. Elaine rolls her eyes back up to the ceiling again. Okay, okay, I didn't abandon you, for the record. I'm sure I had my reasons. Besides, I really limit visits from non-family. You know me better than my actual family does. I'm choosing to ignore that deeply depressing statement in light of your sweet release back into the world, which, you know, is still deeply messed up. I think I've forgotten what the real world even is. I've acclimated to scheduled mealtimes. I've started to crave jello. Oh, no. Jello? That's some Stockholm level shit. You've developed a care for that which holds you captive. Jello does not hold me captive. How's this day been anyway? Besides the jello. Are they good to you, or are you going to have to pull a Nellie Bly, write a news report about mistreatment in the madhouse? Are you calling me mad? We're all mad here. I don't know. This place isn't so bad. Aunt Ellen's here. We have daily sessions and groups. It's a lot of thinking and structure. And talking. I don't so much mind the first two. The talking is probably good for you, too. I guess. I have an action plan. Ooh, how very Bruce Wayne of you. (laughs) I'm working on seeing perspectives other than my own. The ultimate goal is forgiveness. Forgive the people who wronged me. Ask for forgiveness from the people I've wronged. Even him? Supposedly. That seems problematic on multiple levels. You would know. You're the one who had to work with him all summer. Chelsea doesn't answer. I suppose I had to forgive my mom, too. Also not easy. Nope. Chelsea listens as Elaine continues to relate her story of the last four months. Outside, a warm wind blows a flurry of leaves into a vortex, spiraling from pavement to air. A man stands at the parking lot's edge, squinting into the sun setting behind the mental rehabilitation center of Middle Ohio. He strolls through the leaves, and those unfortunate enough to be caught under his shoes... Crunch and Tear. I've got it all. It's just unretained. Trying to figure it out If what I say Comes to fruition With these words I can't play around 
Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten, starring Luna Madison, Jordan Lopez, David Senator, and I'm Sean Gunther. Season 2, Episode 1, Playing Madwoman. Written by Joey Ferber, directed by Chris Burnside. Also starring Matthew Warsham, David Gaylor, Dodie Lockwood, Megan Burnside, and Jenny Holly. Three months earlier, almost a month into Elaine's stay at the center, she sits in Dr. Rook's office, part of her ongoing therapy. In the last three weeks, you've made substantial progress, Elaine. You're calm, relaxed. How are you sleeping? I wouldn't say well, but just sleeping regularly is a nice change. And your stress level? Maybe a four? No, 3.5. It's not a scale, Elaine. You don't have to assign a number every time. Low to moderate, then. Medium to mild, mild to medium. It sounds like I'm ordering Indian food. What is causing your stress? Isolation. You've told me that you talk to more people in the center than you did before you came. Not the people I want to talk to. Your parents and brothers seem to visit regularly. Not the people I want to talk to. You do get to see your aunt regularly. I'm sorry your friends didn't visit. Right. Not like I could call them. You know the reason for the no-phone policy. What else causes you stress? I don't know. Rapists? The general misogyny of the world? The cafeteria food in here? Could we order some actual Indian food? Dr. Rook smiles and waits patiently. I know what you want me to say. That I'm still stressed about Gerald Wagner raping Lita and Sarah and getting away with it. I'm not trying to make you say anything. But you have to check on my progress. See if I'm still obsessing over him. I'm not. Yet, you say that these issues still cause you stress. From my perspective, it's not about ignoring the stressors. It's about managing the stress. A good attitude. I like it. Does that mean I can get out of here? Elaine, the only time you couldn't voluntarily leave was the initial 72 hours. Yes, but my parents paid for a month, so here I am. Can't leave for another couple of days. Do you feel beholden to them? To this place? I feel sane. And this is not a place for sane people. What does sanity mean to you? You're asking because I hallucinated before. Because I got too caught up in my imagination? I didn't say any of that. Haven't you ever imagined a conversation with someone to figure out how you'd act in a particular situation? Of course. We've spoken at length about the difference between imagination and hallucination. I know. But I'm better now. I'm sleeping. I keep my cool. I'm already on the lowest dosage. I know when I'm just thinking of a conversation to work through ideas. Or boredom. I can clearly separate my imagination from reality. As I said earlier, substantial progress. Progress implies that I was worse and have improved. But that's not right. I was always good and just had a little slip. Now I'm back. Your actions were rather extreme to be called a little slip, don't you think? What do you think others thought of your actions? Yeah, yeah, they thought I was crazy, so now I'm here. With actual crazy people. Winnie eats paper and screams in the middle of conversations. Richard thinks he's a doctor, or a Buddhist, or a pop star, depending on the day. My aunt talks to people who aren't there. This is the kind of place where sane people lose their minds, not the other way around. 
And as soon as my mom is sure I won't embarrass her anymore, I'm out of here. Shouldn't you focus on the patients who actually need help? Richard, an elderly, disheveled man in his mid-70s, sits at a table with Elaine and other patients in their art therapy class. The art of Zen, painting pictures through meditation, is open in front of him. They are surrounded by white walls and even whiter ceilings. The only windows lead to more mood-controlling white rooms and whiter ceilings. Elaine distractedly doodles on her paper while Richard half-reads and half-improvises from the book. Feel the wind. It rustles the branches of your body. Clinging leaves finally detach and fly away. You cannot see where they land, nor do you care. Clinging to the branches of your own body. Feel the wind as it is dusting your heartstrings. As it dusts my heartstrings? Is there no one here to teach the correct use of parallel tense? (sighs) Grammar is all an illusion. We must combine new words to make new worlds. And how might you suggest that? How can you build anything without a proper system in place? We must break the patterns. We we must break the cravings. Let us focus, Elaine. Elaine looks across her table to where an older woman has drifted off to sleep, her fingers still clutching a marker to her paper. I think Winnie has lost some focus. Focus on yourself, Elaine, not Winifred. Close your eyes. How am I supposed to draw with my eyes closed? Close your eyes, Elaine. Prepare your mind and your breath. Fixate your senses on your breathing. Yes. Focus. Deep breathing. Now, in order to make great art, one must familiarize themselves with its patterns of philosophical internalization. That's... A lot of words to say pretty much nothing. We're supposed to be drawing quietly. To make great art, one must see the art in himself. Or herself. To make great art, one must find the balance between the inner mind and the outer senses. Now, open your eyes and see the art before you on your pages. Elaine opens her eyes. She notices that Winnie has not. In the top left corner of Elaine's paper is a very colorful rendition of the name Chelsea Wu, drawn to perfection with colored pencil. In the right corner, in the same elegant, flowing style, Elaine sketches the name Lita Rios. She adds extra swirls to the R. In the middle of the page, the letters G-E can be made out in a harsh angular font before the colorful scratch reveals where the pencil tip broke off. The letters are crossed out, and Elaine has instead begun a game of tic-tac-toe with herself. Let's see your progress, Elaine. Uh, Dr. Rooks said we didn't have to share. Nonsense. If not with me, then who? If not now, when? Richard sees the scribbles on Elaine's papers and smiles at her. His teeth are yellow and his left canine is chipped. Scraggly gray hair brushes over his ears and face, He looks like a harmless scarecrow. Please, Elaine. I'm still a highly regarded artist, you know. My work hangs in the Louvre beside da Vinci's. Elaine looks at Richard's paper and sees that he has drawn a stick figure cat and dog. 
A thought bubble over the dog reads meow. It's my pleasure to work with you on your progress. Elaine forces her least patronizing smile. Winifred has begun to snore. Actually, can we pick this up next time? I need some wind. I mean, air. Yes, after dinner. Uh. Elaine's Aunt Ellen approaches and gently touches Elaine's shoulder. That may be a little soon, Richard. I think Elaine and Winnie may need a break. Best to work with fresh minds. That's a splendid suggestion. We'll pick up new winds next week. He gathers up the papers, including Elaine's, and shovels off to his room. Elaine's eyes follow her art. Dear, you seem irritated. What's on your mind? (sighs) Nothing, Aunt Ellen. I've just reached the edge of my patience for this place. Did your mother visit again? No, not since Monday. Then what's really wrong? Are you missing Chelsea? I haven't heard a peep about her since you got here. I'm sure she's just swamped with school. And work. And definitely not blowing off my existence because I'm the embarrassing friend trapped in the loony bin. Sure, this place is a little funny, but it's not a loony bin. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sure Chelsea doesn't think you're loony either. She knows you. She always has. Yeah. You're right. I just get in my head, I guess. Are you still seeing your brain friends? You mean Picasso and the gang? Sometimes. It's just an extension of my creation process. Imagining what Picasso would suggest helps me to draw an art class. (laughs) Better than listening to Richard's suggestions. (laughs) He's always trying to give me advice in group. Aunt Ellen, Richard isn't in your group. He meets in Wing B. Sometimes I catch him snooping around my room. Remember what your doctor said? That sometimes what feels real and what is real can be different? Precisely. Richard can't tell the difference. (laughs) Between you and me, he's the real loony around here. Aunt Ellen claps her hands. I wish I liked the food around here as much as you do. Oh, it's awful. But I have a secret. And since you're leaving soon, I suppose I can share my hidden stash of soy sauce. (laughs) Get me a tray, dear. I'll be back in a jiffy. Silverware and plates clang over the bustling dining hall. Plastic chairs scoot across linoleum floors. Elaine sits down at an open table with two trays of food. She stares at the brothy broccoli beside chunks of pale meat, willing herself to pick up her fork. Aunt Ellen hurries into the room and sits beside her. She drops ten packets of soy sauce onto the table. Oh, wow, Aunt Ellen. That's a lot of soy sauce. That's nothing, dear. I've got an entire Chinese restaurant tucked away in my room. Although I think my stash is looking a little light. Someone might be taking a five-finger discount on my sauce. Oh, okay. Uh... Well, I appreciate the flavor boost. Say no more, say no more. Thank me after you've tasted it. Richard approaches and sits at the table with Elaine and Aunt Ellen. Now, now, I understand the need for flavor, but sodium spikes are not ideal for maintaining emotional equilibrium. Elaine looks straight-faced at Richard. Hello, Richard. Richard smiles back. Hello, Elaine. Richard thrusts his hands into his pockets, 
fumbles around for a moment, and pulls out a pocket watch. He smiles, smug. Aha! We are right on schedule. Richard picks up his fork and flat-edged butter knife. Soy sauce, anyone? You know soy sauce has an extraordinarily high concentration of sodium. Elaine and Aunt Ellen look at each other. Elaine nods, indicating that they should humor Richard. Of course. Probably not the healthiest option. Good point. Aging blood pressure and all. Aunt Ellen takes a bite of meat and makes eye contact with both Elaine and Richard while chewing. After swallowing the single bite, she turns to Elaine. Dear, would you pass the salt? Elaine hands the salt to Aunt Ellen. You know, some Chinese families have been fermenting varieties of heirloom soy for thousands upon thousands of years. To them, soy sauce is eternal. Surprised, Elaine turns to Richard and takes a second to process his statement. She smiles in a way she hopes isn't too patronizing. Is that so, Richard? Soy sauce is life, Elaine. Elaine half-heartedly attempts to hide her confusion. Richard bites into his broccoli. Marvelous. What fibrous delight. The next morning, Elaine sits with the 19th century American journalist Nellie Bly. They watch patients mill about the common room. Elaine glances from two patients reading quietly in armchairs to a group of four playing quadruple solitaire. What a life. Bly wears a laced turtleneck with a black felt hat with a tan feather sticking out of the top. She reaches towards her hat, takes out the feather, and begins scribbling notes on a napkin. Elaine squints at a book title that is glued to one of the patient's reading glasses. Nicholas Sparks? Really? Bly puts down the feather and looks up from her napkin. At least they chose those books. It's a personal freedom. Let them be. No one really chooses Sparks. Either it's the only fiction book left in the library, or someone put tranquilizers in the water. In Blackwell's Island, the wards weren't allowed to have books at all. Or paints, or diaries. <laughs> only noodles. They don't even let me have hangers in my closet. If your aunt can shove pounds of soy sauce into her socks, you have some freedom. Elaine crosses her arms over her chest. Her eyes roam to Richard, who sits cross-legged near the window with one hand stacked on top of the other. A well-worn set of pastels and a blank sheet of paper sit in front of him, waiting. Elaine tugs at the front pocket of her navy blue jumpsuit. What gets me is the feeling that I'm like everyone else here. Like I can't keep a hold of my marbles. Like I can't control my mind. Richard picks up two pastels with his eyes closed and begins drawing a flower. He peeks with one eye open and sees that one petal is on the paper and another is on the couch cushion. You were so clever when you got admitted to Blackwell's. I faked an illness, worked blend in. No one suspected I was taking notes, a journalist on duty. I went by my real first name, Elizabeth, Lizzie for short, which I hated. And for ten entire days, I did what everyone around me did, monotonously. Richard crumples his half-flower into a ball and chucks it across the room, resuming his Buddha pose and absentmindedly rubbing the remnants of the pink pastel all over his face and pants. It wasn't easy. When I said I was ready to go, they wouldn't release me. Blackwell's is a human rat trap. It's easy to get in, but once you're there, it's almost impossible to get out. 
Elaine shudders. She looks to see if Aunt Ellen is anywhere in the vicinity, but doesn't see her. There were enough human rights violations to fill an encyclopedia. My editor was pleased. Elaine looks down at her jumpsuit again, her eyes now discreetly glistening with admiration. Is that why you did it? For the story? I had an unwavering mission to expose wrongdoing. Bly puts the feather between her teeth and rests one hand under her chin. How can we get you in contact with Nicholas Sparks? Your writing might inspire some variation in purpose in his plot lines. Hmm, how can we stop investing in Nicholas Sparks and invest in a woman instead? Preferably not one who writes about sparkly vampires. A patient whoops as he finds the Ace of Hearts and adds it to the middle of the solitaire game. Okay, see, this is what I'm afraid of becoming. Like, that's the best part of their day? Bly sighs and puts her feather back in her hat. Maybe you should take notes. Later, after Elaine has gone outside to avoid the other patients, Aunt Ellen paces the common room. After every few steps, she stops and does five jumping jacks. She doesn't notice Sue approach from behind her. Hello, Ellen. How are you? Aunt Ellen jumps, startled, and shields her face. Sue shakes her head and walks around to stand in front of her. It's me, Ellen. It's Sue. Aunt Ellen peeks through her fingers like she's half-watching a horror movie. Sue looks exasperated. Oh, Susie, is that you? Sue reaches up and pulls Aunt Ellen's hands away from her face. I was just exercising. Of course you were. I didn't mean to interrupt. Are you here to see Elaine? I'm here to see my sister. Just wanted to check in, see how you were doing. How I'm doing or how Elaine is doing? I can check in on my sister, can I? Why, did Elaine say something? No. How is she handling life in the center? She is doing very well. <laughs> Such a smart one, that girl. Really has it together. But you know all that. You visited her last week, didn't you? Or was that last year? It was last week, Ellen. And you get progress reports from her doctor every few days. How did you know that? Did he say something? Who told you? You told me just now. You think you're clever, don't you? It's amazing what you can get away with when everyone thinks you're crazy. <laughs> yes, Ellen. You definitely have us all fooled. Aunt Ellen gives Sue a big smile and suddenly does five more jumping jacks. Sue waits for her to finish. Are you going to miss having Elaine here? Her month is almost up. I'm sure she's told you. She brought it up once or twice. Seems to me she's clear as a whistle and could have gone home weeks ago. But someone paid for a whole month. Have you talked with her about leaving? What will she do when she finishes her little retreat? I don't know, but I sure hope she returns to school. I'm not sure going back to school is such a good idea. Why not? That girl deserves a master's degree. She's worked so hard. She doesn't belong here. I'd say she's a master. Wouldn't you say she's a master? That so-called degree we're paying for put her here in the first place. She's not stable enough for school. And I don't quite care for the company she keeps. What exactly would you prefer? You paid for her to be in here with us crazies, after all. <laughs> so I'm not sure you're the best judge of character. If she returned home, we could at least keep a closer eye on her and her issues. Issues? 
She needs books and support, not chains. Ellen. You never appreciated higher education. You and father never approved of my schooling either. Ellen, he died before you even went to school. That's a horrible thing to say, Susie Q. I'm telling. Yes, you do that. It's probably time for your medication. Is not. It certainly should be. You're mean, Susie. So you've told me. I'm going to go see Elaine now. Aunt Ellen grabs Sue's arm. They're stealing my soy sauce. Your what? My soy sauce packets. I used to have 466 packets. Today, it's down to 425. Someone stole 41 soy packets. That's not real, Ellen. You don't even have any soy sauce. Do so. Zhao brings it to me with my garlic chicken. That's ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Will you ever stop telling stories? You never believe me, Susie. Never. I'm going. Do you need me to find you a nurse? Yes. That would be nice. Aunt Ellen begins to furiously run in place. Sue pats her on the shoulder and walks away. Elaine sits on the patio in the shade of the sprawling oak tree. She is journaling as a nurse leads Sue onto the patio. Sue approaches, heels clicking louder and louder. Elaine squints into the sun and waves at her mother. Sue sits down across from her. Sweetie, it is so good to see you. Hi, Mom. I'm so sorry I didn't get back up here over the weekend. You know how it is with the... Yes, the tile cleaner here makes you nauseous, I know. I was going to say, I've been busy trying to get Dylan prepped for his internship. It's in Chicago. So you've told me every time you visit. Must you compete with your brother every time I mention him? I've been prepping myself for a sort of transition as well. Of course. It's wonderful. Now we can plan for your return home. Mom, you already know how I feel about that. Your father and I were discussing making the garage an apartment for you. It could be your own adult space. You wouldn't have to be in the bedroom you grew up in. It'd be like a fresh start. Elaine stays silent. Sue shifts uncomfortably. No distractions, no stresses, no one upsetting. Elaine purses her lips thoughtfully at the last suggestion. Sue is encouraged. That school is certainly not the place for you. Not with that man there. I know you wouldn't want to go back there. I really don't know. I'd like to talk to Chelsea. I haven't heard from her. I'm sorry to hear that, but it's probably for the best that you're focusing on you. I mean, I want to finish my degree, I think. But I can't move back into my old apartment. Not where Lita and I lived. Don't worry. We let the lease expire. You're free of that awful place. That's not how I meant it. We can finalize the logistics later. Dad and I will be thrilled to welcome you back. And as for Chelsea, maybe you should let that go. You know what they say. Friendships have shelf lives, but family ties never die. That sounds like something you picked up from a misogynistic horror flick. What's that one that you always make Dad watch? Friends till the very last breath? Friends till the end. And it is not a horror movie. I think that depends on your definition of horror. Is your family so horrible? No, of course not. You all help me. You, Dad, Dylan, Aunt Ellen? I don't know if I'd call your aunt helpful. 
She means well, of course. She does help me. How? Does she try to give you advice? You need to be careful with that, Elaine. She isn't all there. She thinks clearly most of the time. But her judgment is off. I bet she thinks you should just throw yourself back into that school after the way they treated you. Elaine looks down at the table and picks her nails awkwardly. I know your master's degree is important to you, but you can't chase dreams if you're sick. You should give yourself time. We want to help you get back on your feet. Think about extending your break from school. There are other options out there. Elaine nods. There's a long, uncomfortable silence. Well, um, I hate to keep you from your day. You probably have diaries to write and jello to eat. Oh, and make sure you're drinking lots of water. Two liters a day keeps your hormone levels balanced. I read that in Women's Health Monthly. Would you like a subscription? Oh, uh, no, thank you. Oh, that would be silly anyway. You can always read mine since we'll have the same address. Okay, honey, well, I suppose I should be going. Making Sloppy Joe's tonight, Dylan's favorite. I really wish you could be there. I hate Sloppy Joe's, but appreciate the sentiment. We'll be here to pick you up on Friday. I'll bring that water article with us. You can read it on the way home. Sue stands up and heads to the door, smiling at Elaine. Looking forward to it. Goodbye for now, sweetie. She turns and exits the patio. Elaine sits in silence and opens her notebook. She rereads the last line she wrote. Certainly uncertain, perfectly imperfect, this old way of the world. She scowls. Journaling. I've been hanging out with Richard too much. She tears out the page and crumbles it. The next day, Elaine enters the small library in the center to find Aunt Ellen. The room is bright, like Elaine's face. Ellen is searching for a particular book title. I'm leaving tomorrow, Aunt Ellen. I'm really going to miss you, but I think I'll be staying at home for at least a little while so I can visit. Aunt Ellen fingers the book spines, still searching. She doesn't look up. I'll miss you too, dear. I'm so grateful to have this time with you. I'm certainly sad about the circumstances, but my heart is so full. Heart. Heart of... She trails off and looks at a different shelf. You'll be released. This place is temporary. It'll all just be a memory soon. Memory? That's not it. No, no. Oh, um, I guess I meant... Aunt Ellen glances over her shoulder, as if looking behind Elaine. Oh, <laughs> no, no, that's not the one either. It's more of a story about betrayal and vengeance. But love wins, of course. Aha! Elaine jumps as Aunt Ellen triumphantly yanks a well-read copy of To Catch a Thief from the shelf. I've got you now, Cary Grant, you rat bastard! Aunt Ellen? Ellen? I'm Grace Kelly. I think maybe it's time to go sit down. We can relax a bit. He's stealing my soy sauce. Who? Aunt Ellen waves the book in Elaine's face. Cary Grant! I need to catch a thief! <laughs> to catch a thief! Aunt Ellen, are you sure you didn't just misplace it? I don't think anyone would steal packets of... 
No one believes me. Not the ducks, not Susie, not even you. I'll solve this mystery on my own, so I will. Get out of my library, you treacherous cur, get! Elaine stands up straight, eyes damp. Aunt Ellen bats a hand at a space next to Elaine. Oh, I concur, Mr. Hitchcock. A tearful Elaine backs away from the bookshelf and her aunt, turning to leave for a nurse. Elaine bursts into her room, hurries to close the door before anyone can see her, and sinks to the floor. Bly is sitting on Elaine's bed. You look as if you've seen a ghost. I think I have. Bly fetches a box of tissues from the bedside table and delivers them to Elaine. Your Aunt Ellen is a ghost? I, I think... I think... Let it out, dear. Elaine takes a deep breath. Aunt Ellen didn't have this kind of help when she was my age. She had a family who didn't believe her. The friends and her brain, she couldn't control them like I can. Like I can now. Elaine cries freely. Bly hands her another tissue. My mother always talks about the similarities between Ellen and me. I, I never gave it much thought. But she is me. She is me if I didn't have support. You're being frank with yourself. Brutally. Elaine blows her nose loudly into the tissue. When you were in the center, did you try to convince anyone that you were, you know, sane? Oh, yes. And? Bly stands up and walks toward the bright window. Her black dress drags on the floor after her, a transient carpet of lace. The more I endeavored to assure them of my sanity, the more they doubted it. What did you do? I wrote. I watched patients gaze longingly toward the city they would likely never enter again. At first I felt sympathy for them. Then when the doctors didn't believe me, I felt it for myself. Bly turns, an inky silhouette in the window frame. So you felt just like a patient then? I was a patient. I was desperate to get out, but I eventually realized that thinking myself above anyone else only made my situation worse. Because you were there to help them. Like you are. Aunt Ellen. Accept the doctor's help. Walk hand in hand with your own demons, if only to be there for your aunt. And I should stop pretending that I'm doing this just for her. And not getting help for myself, too. Such self-awareness. Dr. Rook would be proud. Thank you for helping me realize. Don't thank me yet, dear. You still have to tell your mother. That evening, Elaine walks to Aunt Ellen's room and puts her ear to the door. Aunt Ellen? Are you in there? Shuffling noises come from behind the door. Elaine puts her ear to the wood. Aunt Ellen? Elaine opens the door and sees a hunched figure standing in the dark. She flips the light switch to find Richard standing in the middle of the room. His hands are behind his back. Aunt Ellen isn't there. What are you doing? Where's Ellen? Richard, where is Ellen? Richard, my aunt. Ellen, where is she? One of the quiet rooms. She got overly upset. So why are you here? Okay, I need some words. 
What's behind your back? Richard shakes his head vigorously. A packet of soy sauce drops from behind his back and smacks lightly on the floor. You stole her soy sauce? After a moment, Richard nods. And you're doing it again? He nods. I have to tell Ellen. No! She has to know she was right all along. No, 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 you can't! In his panic, Richard drops his fistful of soy sauce. He stoops to pick them up and feverishly starts shoving the packets into his pockets. In his haste, he steps on one. The packet bursts, squirting sauce across the floor and onto the wall. Richard falls and flinches as his tailbone thuds against the floor. He begins to cry. Elaine watches, bewildered, as this seventy-year-old man rocks back and forth, tears running down his scruffy cheeks. Don't tell. Don't tell on me. I I didn't. I I, I just wanted it. Prime numbers only. Prime numbers. Elaine finally approaches him. She bends down and starts picking up the packets. Richard helps. Are you hurt? Can you stand? Richard nods. Elaine helps Richard to his feet. Come on. We need to talk to a nurse. No, don't tell. Please don't tell. We need to make sure you're okay. You could have broken something. Here. Elaine takes the remaining soy sauce packets out of Richard's hands. We don't need these right now. But I do need them. Soy sauce is life. Ancient life. I know you want them. But you can't steal from people. It hurts their feelings. We don't want to hurt her feelings, right? Richard quietly shakes his head. Elaine gently leads him out of the room and into the hall. Later, an orderly opens the door to Aunt Ellen's quiet room to admit Elaine. He stays in the room with them. Aunt Ellen is lying still on the bed, the only furnishing in the small room. Elaine kneels beside her. Aunt Ellen, how are you doing? Aunt Ellen turns away. Do you want to be alone? I'm sorry I snapped at you, dear. I lost myself for a bit. I'm ashamed. No, don't feel ashamed. It's okay. You need to get going. Pack your things. You're leaving in the morning. I'm not going. Not yet. What's that? I can leave if I want to. But I have more work to do on myself. I'm going to stay the summer. Oh, such news. Aunt Ellen, I'll be here for you. You don't have to have visits with my mom if they upset you. You don't have to hang out with Richard after art therapy. You don't have to. Oh, sweetie, don't tell me you're staying for me. Oh, don't put your life on hold for your old aunt. It's for both of us. You and me. And Aunt Ellen? I believe you. About everything. Oh, dear. Aunt Ellen squeezes Elaine's hand. Wait, uh, before I forget, I have something for you. You have already given me so much. Stealthily, so as to hide it from the orderly, Elaine slips a packet of soy sauce into Aunt Ellen's hand. I know some of them are missing. We can build the stash again. Got to keep that cafeteria food edible, right? Tears roll down Aunt Ellen's cheeks. My dear. She leans toward Elaine. Elaine holds her hand as Aunt Ellen slowly drifts to sleep. (laughs) 
The next morning, Elaine sits rigidly on her bed in her room at the center. She stares hard at the wall and talks to herself. I'm grateful for your help and advice. But I know myself. And what I need. <sighs> grateful myself needs. The door opens and Sue walks in, dressed just so and smiling wide. Hi, honey. Ready to get out of this awful place? Your dad is trying to pull the car up close to the front. Mom, uh, hey, um... Sue narrows her eyes. What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing is wrong. Oh, then what is it? So, I'm really grateful for everything, but myself needs... I mean, I know myself. And I think I need more time here. More than a month. Dead silence hangs between them. Sue stares, her jaw clenched. I'm grateful for you and Dad, and everything you've done to support me. Staying home with you to recuperate is a solid option for me. However, I've talked with my doctors and thought long about what I need. I know myself. I need this place just for a little longer. And I need to finish my degree, too. I'm so close, and I don't want my experiences to have been in vain. Elaine seems surprised by her own eloquence. Sue narrows her eyes until they're little more than slits. No. Excuse me? No. You're sick. I'm your mother. I know what's best. I will take care of you. I will fix you. Mom, I have issues. But I'm getting better. Because I have a loving family and the center. We caught it early, so it can be addressed. But that doesn't mean it's a quick fix. Don't be difficult, Elaine. You've been difficult since you were born and came out looking down instead of looking up. That's a pretty good metaphor for my life, actually. You really think they can do more for you here, don't you? Really, Mom. They are helping me. I see. Fine, fine, you can stay. We'll pay for your healing. Elaine exhales. She didn't realize she was holding her breath. But you will not be finishing that godforsaken degree. But... No, I don't care what Ellen says. That's not... She's been a terrible influence on you. Her degree didn't get her anywhere. Her education is unrelated to her illness and you know it. She is crazy and you know it. Mom, don't talk about her illness like that. You're oversimplifying her condition. Ellen is not crazy. I'm not crazy. Enough with your political correctness. Enough with your judgment. This is my decision. Not Aunt Ellen's and not yours. Mine. Elaine's heart is racing as she waits for Sue's response. Elaine jumps the gun. I think it would be best if you don't visit again. Silence. I, I just don't think this is healthy right now. For me, wanting your validation isn't doing me or Aunt Ellen any favors. Heavier silence. So, how will you pay for the rest of your classes? What? What is your plan to fund your education? I, I don't... I hadn't really... I hear you, dear. I respect your decisions. I see that my validation isn't what you want. So my support will be purely emotional once you go back to school. Very mature, mother. 
And you know, you might have told me this when I saw you a few days ago. Save us the trouble of driving out here. And decorations for your homecoming? They weren't exactly cheap. I suppose if I tell Party Central about how you've treated me, they'll probably take pity and let me return them. Elaine returns Sue's glare and stands up. Do not come here again. Do not contact me. I'll have the staff call Chelsea to pick me up when I'm ready to leave. At the end of the summer. <laughs> if she even wants to talk to you, where's she been while you're in here? She always comes through. Let me know when you're ready to apologize and accept help. Oh, and please pass on to sweet Ellen that I say hello. I think you two really deserve each other. I guess now I have to go break your father's heart. Unless you'd like to wait for him to get in here so you can do it in person. Sue smiles smugly. Elaine looks away. Sue nods and starts for the door. I am not less than you because I sought help for my sickness. I am not broken. Sue pauses. Elaine waits for her to turn around, but she stomps out of the room and slams the door. Three months later, Elaine's time at the Mental Rehabilitation Center of Middle Ohio has come to an end. She sits on her bed, finishing her story. Chelsea, in the chair beside the bed, nods. So that's everything, I think. Lots of therapy. Lots of art class. Richard hangs my drawings on his wall and tells people he made them, which is funny since his are better than mine. <laughs> you always sucked at drawing. Can't even pretend to be upset about that. Even my stick figures come out all askew. They sit in silence for a few minutes. <sighs> I'm scared. Scared of going back to the world. Scared of seeing my friends again. Scared of seeing her. She never came to visit me. Quit torturing yourself. You know she had her reasons. I wish I knew what they were. You know she wanted to come. Did she? You know she's not here, right? I know. This isn't a delusion. I know you're not her. But who else can I talk to about this? I'm so scared to actually see her when she gets here. I need to be prepared for what to say. Elaine jumps. Chelsea is gone. Elaine gets up quickly and looks expectantly at the door. A nurse in the hall tells her that she has a visitor. Send her in! Elaine scans the room for any items she might have missed while packing. Heart racing, she picks up her bags from the ground. The door creaks open. Something is off. It's not Chelsea. Hello, Elaine. Dayton Writers Movement presents Unwritten. Executive Producers Chris Burnside, Megan Burnside. Producers Anna Adamy, Carrie Zahn. Lead Writers Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside. Story by Anna Adamy, Chris Burnside, Amanda D., Joey Ferber, Jana Gomes, Kathy Holt, Cece Hutton, Stephen Gallenberg, Grace Poppy, Tavis Taylor. Assistant Director, Megan Burnside. Sound Engineer, Dan Seavers. Theme song by Joey Ferber, Kelsey Mills, and Ian Mortensen. For more Unwritten, visit our website at unwrittenpodcast.com. 